And now for something completely different. A radio show about books. Didn't think it through at all. Inconceivable! <laughs> yes, the show's serious. That's totally a thing. Thank you. Tarzan of the Apes. Brought to you from out the pages of Edgar Rice Burroughs' immortal book. Oh, wow. In the beginning, the universe was created. This has made a lot of people very angry and been widely regarded as a bad move. And now for your host, Daniel Thompson, a completely underqualified buffoon who has no idea why he's here in the first place. And all were amazed and said, this guy is really good. Do you do children's parties? <laughs> and welcome again to the Very Serious Writing Show. So, last weekend, I officially became a college student. I got invited to go to Walmart for no reason with my friend Alex and my friend Kara. And we just went to Walmart and we walked around Walmart for about an hour. And I got a little tiny Christmas tree, which is now sitting above me in my dorm room. And then afterwards, it was like 10 o'clock at night. And I, we passed by Jerry's Diner. And I was like, hey, I want a waffle. I don't know why I wanted a waffle, but I've been craving waffles. So we went and I ate a waffle. And my friend Alex ate two peach slices, and Kara ate two chicken strips. At 10 o'clock at night, I had a waffle. So, Jake Buller was going to be in studio helping me review the good dinosaur to analyze all the pieces, but he was unfortunately abducted by pan-dimensional beings of the Baptist denomination who wiped his memory clean. So therefore, he cannot. So, I got my buddy Dots in to do the review with me. And Jake will join later to hit us with box office geekery. All this and more on this episode of the Very Serious Writing Show. So let me introduce myself. Do you know who I am? The average human male is about 60% water. As far as we're concerned, that's a little extravagant. You're here because we want the best, and you're it. Nope, couldn't keep a straight face. Hi, Dots. How are you today? I'm alive. How are you? I'm pretty alive. I'm pretty sure. That's a checked. Oh. It could well, be It could be my deceased apparition. I'm not ruling that out as a possibility. If I... I mean, I would check before shows, because if you could, like, put in the tagline the first legitimate paranormal interview, that would probably generate many, many more views than you could get otherwise. I rather doubt it. People don't listen to the show no matter what I tell them. What? No, the internet is a place of truth where people believe what they read <laughs> immediately and act on it. Yeah, that's totally a thing. So did you like the good dinosaur dots? Um, are we just like jumping in? Sure, why not? You know, I'm like, sorry, we don't have to if you don't reaction. want to. Okay, I just turn it off the entire way through, make me much less self-conscious. <laughs> <laughs> I did, I've, done, I've done this to like three interviewees lately. What I do is I just start off with small talk, and then they slowly realize that it's actually the interview. And that way they don't get nervous. Now you're nervous, you see? You're a cruel person, and you torment your audience with the same opening every single time then, so I don't, I don't know what to say about you. I'm a bad person in general. You are. 
So like I like I like hit call and two seconds later you were here. How uh, uh, never forget it. I don't care. What are we here for again? <laughs> we're talking about the good dinosaur. Good dinosaur. So um, do you just want us to like analyze this? Yeah, from this a po- nerd perspective or what? I think it's worth nerding out over the pretty backdrops, but I think that's the only terribly nerdy thing we can do about it. Sadly, I can't nerd out about that because I forgot to bring my glasses to the theater, so the visuals were, <laughs> were, not, were not the most uh, enrapturing thing about that film from my perspective. So you didn't really see the film. How was the audio design? I mean, um, uh, they had some you know, solid storm sound effects. I wish you could have seen the water. The water was beautiful. I, I heard, like, wow, the water sim in that movie. I, I wish I was there to see it. It would have been, you know, mystifying. It, it was. It was very uh, mystifying. I like water puns. They make me happy. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. You like puns Story-wise, I was, I don't know. If this came out after, like, Cars 2 and Brave, I would be much more psyched about it than if it came immediately off the coattails of Inside Out. Which technically it did. This was this was being worked on before Inside Out. If you reorganize it chronologically, it makes a little bit more sense. I mean, the Cimmerillion was being worked on before Lord of the Rings, but that doesn't really influence how people perceive them in release order. So Valid point. At the end of the day, they, they released it after Inside Out. And so we're still freaking out about Inside Out. And then we had this come along. So this is the first Pixar movie that I've ever gone into blind. Like, Literally. completely blind. I, I saw no you trailer. You didn't have your glasses on or anything. So, <laughs> I literally went into the movie blind. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm so glad that you're my replacement, Jake, today. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, you didn't, you didn't see any of the trailers, though? No. You like, had the, no clue. Speaking of Jake, like that is the only... That's the only reason I knew this movie existed. Jake said, hey, they're working on the, the good dinosaur. So I'm like, okay, cut off all internets. Like, mm. I am, I know how to, I, you know, I grew up a sheltered homeschooler, so I know how to hide under a rock. It's an ability that I have clung on to in my college years. Yes. Um, unlike Star Wars, where I read the screenplay and I'm stupid, but that's that's my second religion. That's not a movie. Wait, what screenplay? <laughs> we're not here to talk about Star Wars. Yes, no. Otherwise, that's that's next month. Um, but yeah, this is this is the first movie I ever went into without knowing anything beforehand. I know Jake said they were working on it, and I cut off all communication. I didn't see any of the trailers. I didn't I didn't see any of the promotional material. I didn't even know like what the characters looked like. I saw nothing. Okay. I didn't know what the logo was, which I was I don't know. I prefer going into movies that way because with today's marketing, like so much of my perception of a film is already set in stone before I even walk in. It's really True. refreshing to be able like. Already, what is it? The Civil War trailer was released a few days ago. Already broke all these records. It's already at like tens of million. I think it's sixty-five million. It has the record for most views in twenty-four hours. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. And half the people just make their trailer like a thirty-second synopsis of their entire movie. So you I, have it there. So. Yeah, I agree with that. At the same time, I think when marketing is done beautifully, when they do, when a really good marketing campaign comes along, it doesn't. It's one that doesn't spoil things, like the Hunger Games marketing campaign, uh, their the early marketing, where they released like posters from the districts and the Mockingjay. Did you see the marketing Mockingjay campaign? I saw the first movie, got bored, and never paid attention since. No, I well, the well, the marketing campaign was cool because as the books progress on, they get into the uh, the propaganda, 
and stuff. So all the trailers were for the movie Mockingjay up until the official trailer. All the teasers were actual uh, fake promos that were set in the story world. So you won't get you weren't getting any spoilers. It was it was as if the uh, the people in the movies had produced them themselves, and that was a really good way to do it. I, I thought that that was an appropriate way. That's interesting. Yeah. So I think like. I know video games have done that for a while, so I wonder if the film industry is just, you know, stealing from Valve now. I you know? hope so. I hope so. But, so you got into the movie, you were, you were totally blind. So what was your impression of it? Uh, my first impression was, wow, this opening scene would be so much more dramatic, focused, and um, I don't know, through the, about 15 minutes in, I was deciding, I was, in my head I was trying to make up my mind if I was watching Lion King without the soul, or Ice Age without the humor. <laughs> It was, <laughs> yes. The, yes, the whole movie. I'm like, okay, I don't know which one this is trying to spin off of more because mm-hmm. we have talking animals that carry along a small human child that eventually gets reunited with his clan family. But we're also having a kid that's knocked off, knocked out repeatedly, having visions of his father and trying to become him. So it's, it was really weird. I'm like, I'm watching a Pixar movie spinning off a Disney and a DreamWorks movie. What universe am I in right now? And it had moments from a bunch of other movies. And that's one of the things that I thought about the film is while, while I liked it overall, I felt like it was retreading old ground. Because, I mean, yeah. the kid was pulled straight out of the crudes in terms of personality. <laughs> the opening scene where, uh, not the opening scene, but the scene where Arlo doesn't kill him is like How to Train Your Dragon. Yeah. And then, and then, uh, and this is a spoiler review, everybody. You know that the the scene where he gets knocked down has the vision of his father being alive still. I'm like, is is his father? <laughs> is his father George Clooney? Where's Sandra Bullock? <laughs> Are we in space? <laughs> What's happening? So yeah, like like Brave, I feel like it grabbed a lot of elements from other movies. Yeah, which is just I don't know, really weird to me because. I'm I'm really cynical, but when it comes to Pixar, I still have this like stupidly, overly idealistic brand loyalty with them having original story content, or at least you know a new take on story content. Like Inside Out wasn't necessarily, you know, definitely wasn't the first you know film to have animated characters inside a human child, but Inside Out wasn't you know original as far as like this is a story that's never been told but they really spent time delving into the characters they really explored the genre they didn't take anything in their world and hold it cheaply i mean there's a ton of plot holes because you're exploring the human psyche but they tried to explore it in its fullest depth the good dinosaur there was a lot of parts where it felt like i was watching three different movies they were like introduced a theme that they didn't really touch on they didn't spend time developing themes so it just i don't know it didn't feel like the end i felt like i was watching a dreamworks movie instead of a pixar one now what did you what did you feel like the theme was of the film i want to see what your take was the stated one from the beginning was you know making his mark so i think they verbalize it in the film with his dad saying oh you're you're what was his line you're all of me but more yeah you're something like that yeah. So even though that line was completely unearned, they set it up, they repeated it enough through the entire movie where I'm pretty sure that was a theme they were originally going for. And given that the moment that he gets back, he puts his like little paw print on the silo instead of like saying hello to his mom who's been missing him for months and could be starving. I, I think it's safe to say that that was the theme they were going with. Yeah. Did they suddenly have enough corn? <laughs> I don't know. They just kind of like his mom's at a point where she can't even like 
harvest grain anymore. It's like the death of like the man in the family just completely like ruined the mother physiologically to like, oh, now we're fine now. Yay, he's home. It was the shortest denouement of any movie ever. That ending was so confusing. And I felt like I was playing Halo 2. <laughs> and I like, did. Oh, it's it's over now. Okay. Yeah, I felt like the ending where he put his mark up there. I was expecting something more, but it didn't. It, there wasn't much there. I felt like the themescape really focused on the fear element, and the the one place that I got excited about the movie and about where it was going is when the one pterodactyl comes down and talks about he how he has no fear. Yeah. And they set him up as a minor antagonist, you know, and mm. so it was. It, it became a perversion of the ideal, which was, you know, it's it's about overcoming your fear. So you have this kid who's afraid and this person who has no fear, but that was displayed as a bad thing. And Yeah. But they and didn't so do like, anything with it. <laughs> no. Like, if they stuck with the fear thing, it would have been great. If they stuck with the dad thing, it would have been great. If they would have stuck with, like, the social roles and making your mark, it would have been great. But, like, they keep on introducing new side characters, like, every 30 minutes that are trying to, like, expose a different set of ideals. I'm like, what are you trying to tell me? Make up your mind. Am I supposed to be my father? Am I not supposed to be my father? Am I supposed to be afraid? Am I... I don't know. It was now, so confusing. Now, I did, I did like... The one side character that they brought in who had all the animals on his horns. <laughs> that guy was the best. <laughs> I, I definitely thought of you when I saw him. <laughs> but I, then, like, they never, they never, like, he never came back. They introduced these people and they're not together throughout the film. They're just there and then they're gone. It's true. I, I would have, I think I probably would have enjoyed a movie better if it had just been that character. <laughs> that character's journey. <laughs> <laughs> that that moment where he's, he points to like the beaver he's like this is dream crusher he protects me from unrealistic goals <laughs> I, just, I lost the best it. line in the film I lost it <laughs> but I mean the comedy moments were so odd there I mean yeah. there was stuff like that and then they they eat the bad peaches and <laughs> But I'm watching a drug trip in a kid's movie. I, did, I had no idea what to think at that moment. I was sitting there. I was laughing, but I was like, what is happening to this movie? I, I thought it was a point where like, he was looking up at the fresh fruit and the ruined fruit, and I thought it was going to be mm -hmm. a learning moment where he's going to teach... Uh, what's his? What's Littlefoot's name? Uh, Arlo? Yeah, Arlo. Arlo? <laughs> I thought he was going to teach Arlo, like, oh, because he had Arlo's head struggle, like, getting... Because he's short being tall enough yeah. to reach stuff. So I thought I was going to like show him a way to get food and it'd be this bonding moment and a way about letting him learn to live in this world. But no, nah, we just wanted to have a trippy drug scene here for <laughs> no discernible reason whatsoever. <laughs> and all right, enjoy the next like two minutes of your life as you watch multiple eyeballs sprout out of these characters' heads. Yeah, that was... Wow. Wow. And, you that know... Sucks. Yeah. I I really had a complaint about the fact that they, they killed off Arlo's dad early on because that just felt so cliche. I did feel like it worked when they had the scene with uh, with Spot and Arlo in the cave with the sticks and the circle. Yes. I, I felt like that earned the death. It made it okay for me. And again, if they would have stuck with him trying to overcome his father's death and become his own person, it would have been a decent film. But they, they had all these conflicting subplots that never got resolved, so it, it nothing ever felt earned. And I mean... 
his death, dad dying was hilarious to me because I was just like, Mufasa, no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, the stampede of water. It's like some of the shots were like identical. I'm like, oh, wow. It's like Lion King without the betrayal factor. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, son and father in a canyon. <laughs> There's a swooshing thing on the side. He gets trampled to death. It's, it was, uh. Yeah, that was, that was kind of disappointing. And yeah. Meets- real father the only thing we were missing was like Rafiki mm-hmm. they even do like the you know he lives in you but with a different line <laughs> yeah <laughs> enough of the Lion King everything yeah I just, the amount that it borrowed was kind of disappointing so there just wasn't a whole lot of new ground now the T-Rex Cowboys was kind of interesting if the whole movie was about them like again I think it would have worked Sam Elliott as a T-Rex uh, cowboy was it was fun but yeah it was just kind of there yeah, I think that part of the film is the strongest, too, because while I greatly appreciate having a film with only one talking character or no talking characters, I think, you know, you can tell a story visually. It's so much stronger in that film when you have, you know, three T-Rexes and a brontosaurus or a pot of whatever they call them now when they found the right skull. Once they have more than one character to bounce ideas off of, because, like, through most of the film, it's just Arlo, like, talking to spots. Yeah. And so they weren't able to develop a lot of these themes that weren't really practical, aside from that one, um, you know, with the sticks in the ground scene. That was good. If they had more of that, it could have worked. But once they introduced the T-Rex, then you got to, even though some of it was cliche, they were able to develop this whole thing, you know, oh, you know, if you don't fear a gator biting your face, kid, you're already dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's cheesy, but it worked so much better than the rest of the film because they were actually, you know, developing, they were talking through ideals instead of just going on trippy drug trips after eating overly fermented berries. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. So uh, the film's focus wasn't terribly good. At the same time, there wasn't any moment in the movie that was like, oh my gosh, this is bad. Like, if it was a DreamWorks film, I'd walk out of it and like, yeah, that was, you know, a solid DreamWorks film. It's just because the, pr- the studio behind it is why... I'm disappointed Mm -hmm. if I watched it you know outside of that I would think it was you know it's very solid it's it's nothing new it's nothing innovative but you know it's it told a cliche story and it it did it I mean structurally I would have changed a lot of things but you know it it did what it did and it looked pretty I hear from other sources (laughs) it was it was pretty overall I enjoyed the film I didn't dislike the film I just was it didn't quite know what it was. Kind of like its main character didn't quite know what he was. <laughs> Maybe that's the underlying theme of the film. <laughs> Maybe they did that on purpose. <laughs> With all intentional. Brilliant writers. At, in, <laughs> Congratulations. Pixar. We figured it out. So meta. There you go. Bravo, Pixar. You're still brilliant. <laughs> yeah, that's a thing. Do you have any more thoughts on The Good Dinosaur, though? Yeah, um, Good Dinosaur, where were we? Now, hey, one thing that they did good, I, I'm going to give them points on this, is they, they put their finale, they had the flood come back um, to mimic his the, the time that was his father's death. So that yeah, kind of tied back in the struggle and the fear f- element. Yeah, they had a few motifs and like symbols that repeated themselves. They had um, the whole opening sequence when we established that, you know, Apatosauruses are an agrarian society. They have uh, that shot of his dad's shadow mm-hmm. against a haystack, and then it grows out. And so you have the, that same shot for him as he's coming back more mature. You have, you know, the whole uh, storm thing that he's afraid of, and you have the the pterodactyls that were like, I've seen the eye of the store, and I have no fear, which is a really cool. I did see that part, the inverse shark attack. I thought that was really cool. Visually. That was cool. Yeah, it's like oh, this is so cool. It's like the fins, the, the uh, you know, porpoising, but then you know, it's upside down, and that that was 
the coolest part for me visually about that film. Yeah, that was interesting. So I, I did appreciate them doing that. Why didn't they Why eat didn't... the kid when they had the kid? I don't know, the main character. It felt so weird to have them like pick him up and fly away. It was especially after what they did to the raccoon. I, I know, right? When that that first that was the first legitimately like shocking. You now have my attention part. Of this <laughs> film was like he lands. I'm like, are you hurt? Oh, oh, you're not. Oh, that's so bad. It's like, okay, these are totally just raptors. They're here to eat. But then when they're holding a cute little furry animal in your hand, I'm like, okay, well, I thought they were bad, but obviously this is a kids movie. They're not. Oh. <laughs> oh. oh, that happened. <laughs> yeah, no, the film had my attention at the uh, at the uh, at Dream Crusher. <laughs> so, <laughs> but that's just me. Well, I, I was very drawn in by having that huge build-up scene with the meteor, <laughs> just having it fly by. <laughs> that was fun. And, okay, so that didn't happen. Moving on. Yeah, that was fun. I heard someone critique saying that the film really didn't do much with its premise about the dinosaurs I, not getting wiped out. I thought it was going to be a completely different film because then it opens up with, like, you know, his dad, like, plowing fields. I'm like, oh, this is really cool to see, like, how dinosaurs would have adapted if they had to form societies and build communities. But then, you know, that just gets dropped and never touched on again. I wonder if that's because you've got uh, that Zootopia movie coming out, which is about animal society. Have you seen anything uh, on that? Uh, nope. <laughs> There's 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 a talking animal movie and they all wear pants and uh yeah that makes it so awkward though partially dressed animals are uh. well I mean they wear other clothes not just pants they're fully oh, dressed yeah. okay okay they're that's fully dressed animals yeah that's okay what would you have done to fix the good dinosaur well one um I don't know if the main character being knocked unconscious every five minutes was uh figurative of what the writers felt like they were going through. I tell you what, but, that was very much a Noean novel move. I've read so many Oean novels. that do that. I mean, that it's was like, uh, scene change, what do we do? Uh, knock the main character unconscious. Done. All right, moving on. Yep. But they did that so many times in this movie. I know, they I do. Got, like, did he get knocked? Was he knocked unconscious within the dream of him being unconscious? I, I swear that happened at one point. I hope not. <laughs> it's possible. It's like even his unconscious self is getting, you know, head trauma. It was unbearable i i don't know how maybe, maybe the whole movie is his tra head trauma maybe no that's that's seriously what i believed because like everything kind of flows together into the river until he hits his head the first time and gets unconscious and then if you get your head knocked gonked while you're in a river you're dead so my theory is like the rest of the movie is so complex because he's like going through um uh uh, limbo and he's having to deal with all these parts of his psyche that he hasn't have figured out before he can move on so that's why every 30 minutes we get a new plot line and a new theme maybe the good dinosaur just just bear with me here maybe the good dinosaur is actually about this character dying in the flood and this is his soul making good with all the things he left undone in his life yes before he moves on to the great beyond because he deals with his hatred for the creature, he deals with his fear, and he goes back home, becomes his father, and puts his mark, and that's why it ends that way. Yep. This it just ends. Yeah. He succeeds going through purgatory. <laughs> this whole film is about dinosaur purgatory. <laughs> and that's why he's able to see his father near the end, and that's why he doesn't interact yes. with any of his family. Yes. Like, he never, like, says hi to Buck. He, like, barely, like, even sees his mom. Like, you never see his sister. 
I, I, yeah, you do. You see, it's just she plows that field, but like, well, yeah, like, she that's plows it. the field. That's about it. That's yeah. it. She's, she's just there to like make the the print mark aesthetically pleasing. She serves no purpose in the story. <laughs> yeah. buck. You're right. That's all she's there for, just to put that mark there so it'll come out all nice. <laughs> yeah, some like graphic artist is like, okay, I have this cool scene. Oh crap! I added an extra foot. Can we throw in another character <laughs> here? To, um, that's rule of three, right? Rule of three, guys. We need to be the third sibling. We can't have them be twins. Or oh no, rule of three. <laughs> yeah, and I felt like his whole relationship with Buck just was underutilized. Like, what was the point of his, all those chicken scenes, besides being amusing? I like the chicken scenes. Yeah, uh, they're I mean, fun, but they never, they don't tie into anything. There's don't. so many parts where I was like, okay, this is like Lion King, but if this was Lion King, they would have focused on this, they would have developed this. Um, before his dad dies, they would have had, you know, like a character building scene with him where they, they're, you get to care about them before they kill him off. If this is Lion King, he'd be hanging out with his brother more. They'd have, you know, Bonnie moments. They'd have interesting dialogue. But instead, the whole thing was, like, very, very plot-driven. Mm-hmm. Like, from, like, pay... From the get-go, it's just all about survival. Oh, we have to get food for the winter. You never have an emotional attachment to the story goal. It's just thrown in your face. I agree completely. So... On a whole, a good dinosaur messes up a lot of stuff. Even though the elements there are pretty good, mm-hmm. if if not just retreads. But I, I felt like they never they didn't explore the elements. A lot of it just felt like they were checking boxes. Like his whole like the sibling situation that really just felt like they were trying to pull a rule of three. It didn't feel like yeah it was three separate characters. It so many things in there felt like plot devices. I mean, they're solid plot devices, but wa- watching it, it was just it was cliche and, and again if it wasn't coming from pixar I'd be like oh that was a very good you know solid cliche movie but it, it's pixar so i'm expecting a twist on it now do you think it's more typical of i don't know if this is technically an archetype but this is kind of what pixar said the the boy and his dog archetype mm-hmm. story it does do other stories like that follow this same kind of randomness pattern I, I've yet to read a boy and his dog story where they get really, really high. So um, <laughs> that that's something unique this movie has. <laughs> don't eat the bad peaches. <laughs> Whose idea was that? I got to know. I don't, Whose I idea said, was that? Like, that must have been like late in development. They're like, we have three separate storylines, guy. We are really, you know, we don't know how to pull this together. They were up really late in the office. They were like drinking way too much. And then they just got to a certain point where like, no, it'd be funny. He just had three eyes. Look, I accidentally messed up drawing this. Here, let's put this in the storyboard. All right, let's make this a plot point. Maybe they ran out of ideas, called up Brad Bird, and as Brad Bird was picking up the phone, he accidentally stubbed his toe and yelled, I'm fermented peaches! And they were like, thank you, and hung up on him. You're the only one who does that. (laughs) I will from now on, officially. It could have been, you know, that scene from Elf where they they hire in that fate where Peter Dinklage... Tyrion Lannister comes in, they just grab a notebook and take everything he says and <laughs> runs with it, even if it's no if it's a stupid idea. They found Brad Bird's leftover Tomorrowland ideas. <laughs> well, hey, do you have any final thoughts on the good dinosaur? We probably have to wrap up. Okay. Um, I just, you know, I'm looking forward to the Cinema Sins where they go through and just replace <laughs> all the dialogue with Lion King, that's that's really the thing I'm most looking forward to out of this movie. <laughs> okay. Well, hey, Dodds, thanks for being our replacement Jake today. That was very kind of you to be our replacement Jake today. Jake, actually, he's gonna. we're going to have a midsection. We're going to have a final section before we head out, and Jake's going to give us the box office geekery because he has oh. that for us. So that's good, and we're going to go ahead and do that right now. Thanks again, Dots. I All appreciate right. you being in. 
my pleasure. And now I've got Jake Buller in studio. He's going to give us the box office numbers for The Good Dinosaur. Jake. Yo. Hit me with the numbers. What we got? What did it do in the weekend? The Good Dinosaur debuted with $55.6 million, um, over the five-day weekend, starting with Wednesday going through Sunday, which is honestly a little bit on the low side for Pixar. It's the third lowest um, Pixar debut in terms of like the three-day weekend, which was... 39.19 um, and it was but it, it did end up being the fourth best Thanksgiving debut after Tangled Toy Story 2 and Frozen's like ridiculous 93 million dollar um, Thanksgiving weekend what are you thinking on in terms of these next couple weeks I, I think it has a good chance I mean there's no competition for the next three weeks in terms of kid-friendly movies really we're not looking until like that Alvin and the Chipmunk sequel and uh, this Force Awakens until we really have a big family movie coming out so it's got three weeks of smooth sailing uh, which could mean like uh, it could mean some better like drops in terms of uh, weekend percentages like uh, Ratatouille um, opened in 2007 with I think it was like 43 million which was disappointing at the time it ended up because of not having too much competition it ended up legging it to like 200 million in the US and uh, 623 million worldwide so I think that's definitely a possibility do you expect the good dinosaur to have a lot of international appeal it's hard to say. I think maybe there's some goodwill in terms of dinosaurs with Jurassic World breaking all the records it did this summer. Um, Pixar movies historically do pretty well internationally. Not so much in China, which is the second biggest market um, overseas, or the second biggest market in terms of worldwide. Um, it, not, they don't do so well in China, but overall, Pixar movies have a lot of appeal overseas. If you were going to make an ex- estimation of where you expect the good dinosaur to be, say, up until the weekend of The Force Awakens, where, where would you expect it to end up at, internationally? <sighs> internationally? Worldwide. Um, worldwide. Worldwide. It's hard to say, because the release schedules are totally different from movie to movie. Um, I don't actually, I'm not actually privy to the release schedule of The Good Dinosaur. I know it opened, I think, at 93 character memories this weekend. Um, I'd say we're looking at several hundred million dollars at least. We'll probably be up by $300, $400 million by the time The Force Awakens rolls around. Jake, when are you going to go see this movie? (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully I'll go see it on Saturday. I was disappointed I didn't get to see it over Thanksgiving, but the weather is nasty and I don't have a car. So hopefully this weekend I'll have a chance to go see it. You've been a bad fangirl, Jake. I know. You need to up your game. Any more thoughts on the good dinosaur opening? No, I think we're probably looking at... um, Probably the bottom half in terms of the final result for um, Good Dinosaur in terms of Pixar rankings. And my prediction, it'll probably end up about 180 to 195 million in the US with between 400 and 600 million worldwide, which is not a flop, but if it ends up on the higher end, um, then we can talk a little bit more about it being a success. All right, Jake. Hey, I appreciate you coming in. Absolutely. I enjoyed it. You- You're listening to The Very Serious Writing Show. You are a sad, strange little man, and you have my pity. Farewell.